Hear now this reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Listen now for a word from our Lord. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was filled with by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all of the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I'll give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The word of God for the people of God. This morning we begin a sermon series for Lent called In the Wilderness. And over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about wilderness issues in our lives things that we struggle with day to day, beginning this morning with temptation. Ah, temptation. We know all about temptation, right? It's a struggle common to all of us. You go to the store looking for a particular item, and you walk up to the clerk to ask about it, and she's on the phone with her friend. And she talks, and she talks, and she talks, and she ignores you. And you shuffle your feet, and you clear your throat, and she keeps ignoring you. And finally, you reach out and sort of gently tap her on the shoulder. Yes, you ask about the thing you need. I roll over there. And as you walk away, you think to yourself, you know, I'm tempted to give that woman a piece of my mind. Or you've got a big test, a difficult exam, corp finance, advanced physics, organic chemistry, and you've been studying this little piece of paper with the formulas on it that you've got in your pocket as you enter the classroom. And they pass out the test and you take one look and you can feel that little piece of paper burning a hole in your pocket. You think just one glance, it's very tempting. Or you've just finished an enormous meal, you cannot put one more thing in your mouth and here they come with the dessert cart. Can we tempt you with this lemon meringue pie, they ask. Well, maybe just this once, you say, and bring two forks. <laughs> Let's face it, friends, if there's one theological word that we feel does not need defining, one word that connects vividly and firmly to our everyday human experience, it's temptation. Temptation, we think we know. 
we think of it as akin to the flu virus, just sort of always floating around out there, waiting to wear down our defenses. We think we can see temptation coming. We deal with it every single day. Why do we need to hear a sermon about temptation? Well, friends, this morning I want to suggest to you that perhaps the reason that temptation is such an ongoing struggle for us is precisely because we do think we know everything about it. We think we know how it presents itself, how it talks, how it acts. We think we can spot it coming from far away and batten down the hatches, but I don't think that's necessarily true. Let's go back to our text this morning from the Gospel of Luke. This is the story of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Now, we've got to be careful with this text. It's a tricky one. If we're not careful with it, we can start to imagine this text sort of like a cartoon. Do you know what I mean? Our mind will draw it out for us like a comic strip. Over here in this corner, we have Jesus. And over here in this corner, we have a red figure with a pitchfork and a tail. And we can tell ourselves, that's what temptation looks like. My friends, real temptation does not look like a cartoon. If that was true, even the smallest child could spot it coming if it came walking in looking like a Halloween devil. No, it's much more complex than that, and it comes in many different guises. And one of its favorites and most effective is as the voice inside our own head. If I was going to draw out this scripture as a comic, Jesus would be the only one in the frame. He wouldn't be alone, but he'd be the only one that you could see. Friends, I think we often underestimate temptation because we think it's going to come striding into the room wearing a black hat like a villain out of an old movie western. And it just so rarely presents itself like that. Look at how Jesus is approached in our text this morning. He's been out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and here comes the tempter who says, Jesus, you've been out here so long, and you haven't eaten anything the whole time. You've got to be starving. God doesn't want you to suffer like that. Besides, you need your strength for your ministry. Why don't you just turn these stones into bread? I mean, there's nothing wrong with eating when you're hungry, is there, Jesus? That sounds reasonable, don't you think? And hey, I, I'm just trying to think in your best interest, but maybe it'd be a good idea if you practiced a miracle before you got in front of the crowds. I mean, you don't want to have a hiccup in front of everybody. So you could just jump off the temple. That would be a good test. Just jump off. I mean, Scripture says God's going to catch you. You're not going to strike your foot, all that stuff. You'll be fine. You keep practicing like that, you might get really good, and then more people will believe. And that would be a really good thing. Isn't that what you want, Jesus? You want everybody to believe? And hey, here are the kingdoms of the world, Jesus. They can all be yours. If you'll just 
bow down and worship me. You want that kind of influence, don't you, Jesus? I mean, you need that kind of influence in the world. That sounds like a good and helpful and reasonable thing, doesn't it, Jesus? Friends, do you see how temptation presents itself in the guise of what is good and helpful and reasonable? That is one of its favorite packages. And it's the one I think we encounter the most in this life. The Bishop Will Williman tells a great story about teaching a Sunday school class a lesson on our text this morning. And after they had thoroughly discussed the text and unpacked all the different ways Jesus was tempted, he turned to the Sunday school class and said, now, how do you think we're tempted today? And a young man in the class said, I'll tell you how we're tempted today. I'm in sales. And a few weeks ago, my boss called me in and said, you know what, you're doing great. You're exceeding all of our expectations. We think you have an incredible future with our company. So, we want to greatly expand your sales territory and give you a big raise too. Now, of course, that means your travel will increase exponentially, but it'll be worth it because you're going to make so much more money. And the young man said, but I, I don't want a larger sales territory. I'm, I'm gone already too much. It wouldn't be fair to my wife or our little daughter. Oh, says the boss, this is really about your family if you think about it. I mean, we care about them too. Your little daughter doesn't need much money right now, but as she grows older, she'll have all kinds of financial needs. You want to be a good father, don't you? A good husband? A good provider? Think about it. This is really about them. We want to help. This will be good for your family. And that, said the young man, is temptation. Do you see, friends, how the core issue with temptation is not about eating the pie or cheating on the test or telling the lie or whatever? That's all very superficial stuff. The core issue in real temptation is about something so much greater than that, and our story about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness exposes that greater thing. The fundamental question temptation asks is not, hey, would you like to do something wrong? It's, hey, would you like to compromise who you are? Compromise who you are. That's what's at stake when we're dealing with real temptation. Jesus' temptation in the wilderness wasn't really about turning stones into bread or jumping off of a building. It was about compromising who he was and what he was about. He had just been baptized. He hadn't even begun his public ministry. And here comes the tempter saying, Hey, would you like to compromise who you are? Would you like to compromise what you're about? Gain pleasure from earthly things rather than God. Accumulate power rather than give love. Serve not God, but me. 
And friends, it's the same with us. When we're dealing with true temptation, the question goes directly to our core identity. Do we want to compromise who we are and what we're about? That's what's on the table. This last week, we celebrated Ash Wednesday here at the church. That marks the official beginning of the season of Lent. And Ash Wednesday gets its name from the phrase, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. A reminder of our mortality, a reminder about the brevity of life. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you're young and you're thinking to yourself, Holly, life seems really long to me. Please check with me after worship today. Because I am telling you that I was a very young woman with a very young husband and two little children and I turned around and here I am. Or ask someone older who's retired. They will tell you that just yesterday they were getting up every day and doing the nine to five thing and they turned around and here they are. Even for people who live to be a very, very old age, life is short. The trip from cradle to grave flies by. And we remember that intentionally on Ash Wednesday, not to be depressing, but to instill in us a sense of urgency. We don't have forever to get it right. We don't have forever to really understand who we are and what we're about. Those are the two great questions of life. Who are you and what are you about? And we see how important this is in the life of Jesus. You want to deal with temptation? Follow his example. He knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly what he was about. And when temptation came calling, he rendered it impotent. If we want to deal with temptation, we must be clear about who we are and whose we are. We've got to answer that question, what are you doing with this one precious gift of life that you've been offered. During this holy season of Lent, friends, I, I pray that you will take the time to sit with God and ask those important questions. Maybe you've never asked those questions before. Maybe it's just been a really long time, but it's never too late, not even if you feel like you've messed everything up in the past. You can start over this season be honest with yourself, radically honest with you and with God. Who am I? What is my life really about? And when you know that, then you see you will not compromise it. And when the temptation comes, you'll see straight through the pie or the test or whatever it is to the real question at hand. Know who you are, friends. Know whose you are. And then when the temptation comes, you will know which path to take. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks for you are with us in the mountaintop moments and the deepest valleys of our lives where we struggle. Be with us, O oh God, as we deal with temptation. Give us the courage to clarify who we are and whose we are and to stand firm in that so that when temptation comes to us, we can resist and follow you. It's in Christ's name that we pray.
Amen.